You're listening to CGR Cougar Radio, radio station at Misericordia University, Dallas, Pennsylvania. Hello there and welcome to this edition of radio, Holiday Talk, where we t- talk about some holidays that you may or may not have heard of and potentially learn something new along the way. I'll be going solo for this venture, and if you're just coming back from the last one, well, my co-host can only stay for an hour. I worry. I sometimes worry for him. Anyway, without further ado, we shall move on to the next week, which will be March 28th. Starting on March 28th, we have National Black Forest Cake Day. Let's, this actually goes back into the 16th century. Famous for its sour cherries, the Black Forest Cake originated in a German town known as Bad Godesberg. So we have our German friends to thank for this one. Then in 1915, Joseph Keller, our pastry chef, begins making the Black Forest Cake after all, all these years of experience. Then in 1913, the locals of Tunbingen claim they begin b- making their own Black Forest Cake in their town 15 years after Keller's vision. Then finally, in 2015, it celebrates its 100 years of existence, and Kella's story is believed to be the most authentic one. So yeah, Black Forest Cake, I don't remember if I had it. I think it's like one of those cakes where it has like those raspberry filling. Even so, I don't really have much to say about it. It's just chocolate with ras- it's just chocolate with a berry filling. Even so, I... Wow, this is getting a little difficult to talk about. And even so, I don't remember exactly what I make of its taste. And Well, oof. I'm just kind of going off of a limb here and trying to make the most of what I can at this point. It is kind of surprising how specifically the Black Forest cake has this origin and nobody exactly know how it was originated even though the story i told you was authentic as it can get and i well uh, it's kind of difficult to talk about something when you don't really have any memories for it i apologize i also apologize for taking a lack of this because it kind uh, my mouth kind of moves a little faster than what my brain wants to say, and it's infuriating, and yeah, that. Even so, I I don't really have that, again, I don't really have that much to say about it, and I don't know really if there's anything I can pull out of, I even so, I don't really like it the time I tasted it. I thought I was just getting regular chocolate, but the berry filling, eh, it just set it all for me. Even so, I still respect it as kind of like a form of chocolate or something like that, from what I can remember. I'd like to know if anyone else has any black, has black forest cake or no, knows of what we contributed to what we contributed it's kind of an awkward memory even so <sighs> sorry about that I just need to take a swig 
So what was your, what do you, do you have any memories of it? And even so, what, a, describe them. It even described them. Anyway, moving on, we have National Something on a Stick Day. I believe this kind of calls back into Corn Dog Day, the National Corn Dog Day, but that I discussed during the catch-up special. It'll be below, or maybe you've listened to it last week. Anyway, 1868, in the streets of cities of Japan, food vendors began selling yakitori, or teriyaki, chickens on a skewer stick, from their charcoal fire pits. And then 1905, this comes to America as a San Francisco area youth accidentally leaves sugary soda mix outdoors overnight, only discovered the next morning after the liquid had frozen that he could lick the treat off the wooden stir, thereby inadvertently inventing the popsicle. In 1946, the Cozy Dog Drive-In in Springfield, Illinois, it was the first restaurant to serve core dogs on a stick, or so as it's claimed. And then in 19, the 1950s, Turkish chefs introduced the shish kebab to the Greeks, who add chunks of tomato, vegetables, and to the skewered meat, then leaked the recipe to the Americans, who in turn increased the size of the meat cubes. Oof. It's kind of intriguing how you can find a lot of st stuff that's on a stick. Even... <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, there's like, ch you can get like chicken, meat, vegetables, even some desserts on a stick. I also find it kind of intriguing how a popsicle is another one of those in accidental inventions. Feels like a lot of things were accidental. And even so, I'm not sure really how to feel about that. I mean, it's good that they're invented, but not intentionally. And even so, God, I'm just rambling at this point. Even so, I mean, you got a lot of, you get ice cream, you can find donuts, or, it's kind of like the whole stick thing is kind of equivalent to uh, putting it in the deep fryer and seeing how it tastes, like Oreos deep fry at your local state fair, or you can pretty much fry anything at this point. I mean, it's like eating at, I mean, I doubt it's very good. It's like a taco. It's like eating a taco sandwich with that's just ten tacos stacked together with two tacos representing his bread. I don't know what else to say at this point. I mean, it's good that these these were invented, but accidentally, it's just kind of I don't know weird and. Good, if that they were invented. I don't know, what do you got? I don't know. What? I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe there's something about accidental inventions that kind of gets it a good intentionally thing, but other than that, I'm not really 100% sure what to make of this. And even so, how would I react to this? How would I even think about something like this? It's just something you think about and... And, uh, whew. not really much of a talker, and just trying to really, gosh, I'm kind of rambling at this point. Well, even so, something, forest cake, not really a whole lot to say about this, and something on a stick day. I've had a couple corn dogs and these things on a stick, but I don't think what people are putting on sticks are 
pretty much healthy. Anyway, we'll be back with March 29th right after this commercial break. In the small town of Elmira, New York, a boy was born into an all-American family. The odds of him opening his own clothing store at the age of 18? One in 138,000. Excited to be a part of pop culture, he packed for the big city. The odds of finding someone to invest in his vision? One in 4.5 million. The odds of him achieving his dream in the fashion industry? One in 23 million. The odds of having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 68. I am Tommy Hilfiger, and my family is affected by autism. I encourage you to learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Every day across this country, hundreds of college radio stations take to the air, broadcasting music and programming that you won't hear anywhere else. It's one of the last places where people can really be able to actually say what they want to say. Without it, you wouldn't have a place for local artists to perform. Certain people need to have a chance, a fighting chance, and College Radio is that place for it. College Radio changes the lives of those who are involved with it and can change those who listen to it, too. This is where we start out, you know, from getting all this great experience working in college radio it makes you want to work in real radio. College radio means finding yourself. It helped me find what I wanted to do in not only school, but in life. So support college radio by continuing to listen to this station and supporting the students who make it happen. College radio now more than ever. A message brought to you by this station and the college radio foundation. For more information, please visit collegeradio.org. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, with March 29th. So let's start with World Piano Day. This actually goes back to the 1700s when Partelamo Cristofoni of Italy invents the piano. And at the time, this really, it really wasn't a significant instrument. I mean, I mean, you can compose classical things on it, but not really do anything other than that. But that changed in 1850. Uh, not 1850, 1821, with, Seb- with Sebastian Edded inventing the double escapement action, which makes it easiest to rapidly play and repeat notes. And I'm guessing he also invented those uh, pedals at the bottom, which mute and echo notes, too. Fast forward to 2015, we have the World Piano Day team announcing the construction of the Clovens M450. I'm not sure what that was, but it's kind of a foot kind of a note in history. And then finally, in 2018, Christian Henson of Spitfire Audio launches a website called pianobook.co.uk dedicated to creating and sharing instrument of samples for free. So, I was one of those people, me and my sis were one of those people that had to take piano lessons at some point in their lives. Less for me and more for my sis. She stuck with the piano and she stuck with the piano while I dropped out, although I did get my instrument comeuppance when I had to sign up for an instrument during my middle school and high school days. Yeah, I do... I mean, I am good at it, but... I just want to focus on other stuff, and... Even so, my parents are trying to pester me to get back to the trombone. 
even after they promised that I couldn't, I w- that I could drop out by the time I reached college, college, and <sighs> not sure what to say about that point. And even so, I mean, it. I do admire piano as an instrument, a classical instrument of some sort. And even so, I don't really know exactly if if uh, if the harper scored. And I'm pretty sure its ancestor, the harper scored, was kind of a piano for was kind of a way you could do piano back then. Before they had ivory keys invented and strings and wooden gears and pulley, pulleys or something like that. Not 100% sure about that. But anyway, but even so, and even so, I've actually seen my sister perform the piano during various concerts. I mean, it's, I mean, she was kind of a little bit more artistically engaged and I was... In the meanwhile, a little bit more, more uh, re- relaxing, engaged. I mean, I get, I invest in stuff. She's investing in stuff. We're all invested in some sort of stuff. In fact, one of the uh, Irish dance recitals actually is how we got a popcorn machine thing, and we were the only ones. And the only reason we won because we entered the raffle. We were the only ones that entered the raffle and won it by default. Woohoo! Winner by default! Winner by default! Yay! Even so... Even so, the whole... The whole... Raffles are kind of good. But it is fun to attend and see if you win anything. But even if you lose, which can be uh, most of the time... Eh, it's still... Eh. It's no big deal. Anyways, we also move on to National Smoke and Mirrors Day on the 29th. Which, involve, which goes back to the 1830s with Scottish philosopher and scientist Sir David Brewster, inventor of the kaleidoscope, debunks and demystifies apparitions in letters and nat- on natural magic, explaining that the eye can't be trusted to make sense of our world. Then we have 1862, 30 years after that, with British scientist John Henry Pepper first demonstrating Pepper's Ghost, a special effects technique still used today in haunted houses and theaters to produce ghostly images, reflecting off them off of a sheet of plexiglass. Then we have 1876 with Modern Magic by Professor Hoffman, published in London by George Rutledge and Sons, and it's the first book in English that explains how to perform magic, from recording card tricks to large stage illusions. Then 1963 with Bill and Milt Larson continuing their late father's dedication to the performance of magic by opening the Magic Castle in Los Angeles as an exclusive private club for members of the Academy of Magical Arts. So... So magic. I mean, I mean, they are just kind of optical illusions when you think about it. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of. I mean, you get some form of magic, like the whole, the whole ring, the whole the rings are like the jingle jangle rings, and now they are separate rings, as well as the uh, the balls and the cup, the Russian roulette thing. And uh, finally, the and finally the whole milk in a newspaper thing. And and to be honest, I'm not exactly how not exactly a hundred percent sure on how that works too. 
And even so, I haven't even mentioned Penn and Teller's smoking mirrors, which are modern-day magicians that I think performed on Las Vegas at some point and even help others get to their magical potential. You'd even have an unreleased Sega CD game called Penn and Teller's Smoking Mirrors, which even got in the cover of one video game magazine. Which actually does involve magic tricks. Involving a... Involving a, a screen that get green that gets too hot for you, and even so, and even a mind reading thing, and it, even a shooter a shoot 'em up that cheats that has cheats for you, and as well as for the second player who plays with you, the unfortunate soul, as well as well as something that actually is that's been now been doing for charity called Desert Bus where you realistically drive from one section from one place to an, to Las Vegas 8 hours and that's been doing that for charity where people just kept hitting the left button and even so even so that's just legitimate even so I consider that legitimate magic in my personal opinion yeah I, and even and I haven't even mentioned David Copperfield as magic. I mean, he's performed some feats, but some feats of magic, and I do consider that a neat deal. But there's, but even so, the fiend restaurant he was trying to pull off didn't really go out as planned. Even Harry Houdini, the 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 escape artist and Matt, which can be considered magic at some point, can. I, and even so, just don't really uh, do magic, but don't just do it for the sake of sewing off. We'll be back with March 30th after this commercial break. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. The forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Plant puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. I want to be a warm place on a cold I want to day. Be a football I stadium. want to be a bike that races around the country. I want to be a bench on a forest trail. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. 
Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. I don't believe it. My savings are gone. Okay. Think. Where'd you have them last? I was home. Then I spent them on that vacation in this tiny suit of armor. Now they're gone. Weird. Weird? Not really. Not saving now means no money later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas on ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Oh, I broke his little gauntlet. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, the Pennsylvania Institute of CPAs, and the Ad Council. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, with March 30th, also known as Take a Walk in the Park Day. Now, this actually goes back to the medieval ages, as English deer parks were used for game hunting and became game reserves. However, by the 16th century, the game reserves are transformed into landscape parks, which are set around houses and mansions. Kind of a way of showing off, I think. Then in 1634, the opportunities for the creation of urban parks began in Europe and the United States to keep pasture lands secured inside of villages and towns. And also, I think, to appreciate nature. Then we have 1812 with the first park... created in Philadelphia and named the Fairmont Greens. So, I'm going to be honest here. I haven't been, haven't been to the act, the first part of park of Fairmont Greens, but even so, I'm I've been to plenty of parks in the day. And even so, there we actually do kind of have an extended version of those parks called uh National Parks, which was started by nature lover president known as Teddy Roosevelt. He loves nature and we got the establishment of some of Yellowstone and other national parks around around the globe which kind of has a little bit of international influence and that's kind of cool. And yeah, even so is it technically uh is it technically a college campus considered a park of some sort i mean it's got benches i mean it's got some motifs and i mean there's like a little i mean there's stuff there that can qualify as a park i mean it's got pasture as well in between of buildings and stuff like that i don't know maybe i'm just seeing a connection where there isn't and even so i i really got nothing to talk about talk about parks they're more of an outdoor thing. I believe an outdoor guy myself. And even so, I've been to plenty of parks. Uh, one of them was a volcano park that we actually hiked all the way up to when we visited Hawaii one time. And the view there is beautiful. Kind of makes you think of nature in a way and they and all of its climates like a like the oceans, the air, the ground, what's under the ground, and really see, uh, really see uh, the whole urban expansion thing, but also limiting it so we don't really lose completely lose the touch of nature. And even so, I did hear that even if you uh, step foot in something, it could be considered contaminated. Which kind of makes the whole national park thing uh, really. Hey, I'm sorry if I'm spacing out here. It's just I don't really have enough to think about or talk about and stuff like this. And I usually do things without script. And even and even 
even the Mount Everest, which can be considered as the pinnacle of, uh, I know this doesn't relate to parks, but even so, it can be contained with pee and poo, and sometimes the corpses of fallen travelers or guides. Feel sorry for them, and hope they are found eventually, and not a lot, a whole lot to say. Can't really ramble on without my, uh, Mouth getting a little sore from that. Anyway, moving on, we also have National Pencil Day. Yes, before the nature, bef- yes, before the naturality of using styluses in order to and technology, we have pencils, which ironically was using the stylus was also something we did before the invention of the pencil. <sighs> so, I really shouldn't be quoted on this. So it, it does trace back to the early 1500s when r- large reserves of granite were discovered in England and re- be, were extremely solid and could possibly be carved into sticks. Then in the 1560s, an Italian couple creates these pencils, which lo- almost look like modern wood encased carpentry pencils. Then in 1662, a new form of pencils was created using graphite, sulfur, and it- ant- antimony in Germany. And well, as and then in July 12th of 1812, pencil manufacturer William Monroe creates wood pencils from the popular East Red Cedar trees in Tennessee. His designs inspire other Southern manufacturers and used and by used by other industries too. Then in 1820, Henry David Thoreau and his father substitute clay for wax, and the graphite creates very readable text. This pencil has become standard in classrooms across the U.S. And then in 1858, Hyman Lippin received the first patent for attaching an eraser to the pencil so you don't have to use those big, so they can be together and you don't have to carry them separately. Then in 1861, three years later, pencil maker Eberhard Faber builds the first American mass production pencil factory, the E. Faber Pencil Company in Midtown Manhattan, New York City. And now as we come to 2018, we go back to using the stylus from the Royal Roman ages, which erases mistakes, blends colors, and does so even more than the Apple on the app on various Apple devices we see around the globe. So yeah, the pencil. It's kind of a shame that it's fallen out of grace as of late. I mean, we kind of used the pencils all the time back then, and even so, even so, it is kind of finicky to use it you gotta learn how to write neatly with it as well as as well as learning cursive as like i did back in the day when i used to live in ohio back in the second grade and i and even so just drawing with pencils and making stick figures and comics about it it's still a worthwhile endeavor but it's these pencils are usually mostly used for art nowadays and the stylus is just used for writing, or you could type something on it, and it'll make anything legible, no matter how bad your handwriting is. And I don't know, it just feels like we went from full circle from using styluses to using pencils, and to using pen- now using styluses again as a modern norm. I don't know, maybe technologically we can we can sort of make that work, and I don't know, it makes me think that that the whole technology boom is kind of like the modern day. Roman era, or Greek era, Renaissance, for this, 
as we kind of reawaken the whole Roman technique and see what we can do and bring it to the modern age and find a way to make it work. Yeah, so even if we don't really use pencils anymore and use them more as firewood rather than for a useful tool, I still think pencils should be used in some sort of account in order to create art, at least. Anyway, we'll be moving on to March 31st with National Tater Day and National Crayon Day after this commercial break. Are you in need of counseling? Do you need someone to talk to? Catholic Social Services of the Diocese of Scranton can help. Our professional counselors can help you work through episodes of depression and anxiety, the challenges that affect your marriage or family, issues of loss and grief, pregnancy, or anger. For more information, call 570-822-7118 or find us online at Catholic Social Services of the Diocese of Scranton. That's Catholic Social Services of the Diocese of Scranton. So, I'm a dog, and I just got adapted by this new human guy, and I'm starting to wonder how he got along without me. I mean, okay, something as simple as walking around the block. He's got this leash thing, and he puts me on one end and him on the other, and I'm just taking him around. I, I think he's afraid of getting lost. Without that leash and me guiding him along, I don't think he'd find his way back home. But it's kind of cute. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Who might you save? Your mother, your father, your husband, uncle, aunt, son. Learn fast. F-A-S-T. The sudden signs of a stroke. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. You could save. Your friend, teacher, boss. So learn F-A-S-T. Then pass it on. Because you never know who might save you. Your wife, your colleague. Spot a stroke team. fast. Visit StrokeAssociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Ryan Seacrest for RAD. Over 300 people in this country are killed every week by a drunk driver. That's the equivalent of two 747 plane crashes every single week. And the problem isn't going away unless we all do our part to stop it. So if you see someone who's about to drive after drinking, get the keys. Don't leave it up to anyone else. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. You're listening to CGR Cougar Radio, radio station at Misericordia University, Dallas, Pennsylvania. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Let's start off the end of the month, March 31st, also known as National Tater Day. Or, t- you know, the tater tots and stuff like that. Anyway, let's start. This actually goes back to the Incas in south southern Peru, in which they discovered potatoes as an edible food source. In 250 B.C as 2500 BC, my bad. Then we have 1621 with the first batch of potatoes arriving in North America as a present to the to Virginia's governor. And then 1845, the potato phantom renders many crops, potato crops useless. As a result, many of those in Europe starve and die or those experiencing the potato famine go to America. And that's pretty much how, it does link to how uh, St. Patrick's Day originated as a holiday here in America, but uh, but you can find more ab- about that during my uh, in my column, known as Change Your Mind, called Irish Green Holiday. Anyway, moving on, we also have then we have 1955 as Ray Kroc opens the first McDonald's branch in Illinois 
and selling the first McDonald's fries in the world. Which kind of gives birth to the whole French fry thing, now that I think about it. Uh, the third thing I think about is tate the tater is all tater tots, but once you think about it, tater kind of meets potato in general, which can which you can bake it or fry it or slice it or eat it raw or you can do anything about it or fr you can do anything with a potato and it'll still be tasty. <sighs> I've had some experiences with potatoes. I mean, they're not bad as a vegetable, but not one of my top five or something like that. Even salad's number one, if you're asking. I think, I think, I think, I think that I, th I'm not sure exactly how I came up with the whole tater tot thing with, I'm not sure exact, does anyone, I've seen people eat it with, forks and knives for tater tots, as well as using my hands, which is my preferred method. I mean, it kind of is a finger food. I mean, it's small, you could dip, you could potentially dip it in it and eat it. As It's kind of like you know, those bites you see as serving as appetizers in your local pub or something like that. Or maybe even mozzarella sticks. Oh, those are good. Even so, potato kind of fits into our diet more than kind of we kind of eat potatoes more than we think heck even sweet potato fries is a healthier alternative is kind of a link to potatoes i mean literally they have potatoes in their name what did you expect and even so i don't really like sweet potatoes as much as the regular one i don't know just the sweetness kind of drives me off a bit just kind of I don't know, it just steers me away. But if it's the only choice, I'll probably take it just to eat it and kind of makes it feel like... Has anyone actually had a yam? I'm sorry if I'm going off topic, but it kind of feels like I'm, having, I'm eating yams. Even so, I... So, yeah. Potatoes, they're a good part of your diet. You can... You can do anything to it and create an existing property for it. Maybe even create a new potato recipe, even if you want to. Moving on, we have National Crayon Day. And this actually goes back to our Roman friends in 50 AD when warped wax paintings first appeared in them. Then we have the mid-17th century, which the word crayon was first used in French and Latin, meaning a colorful stick or chalk or wax. Then in the 19th century, with Paris considered the world's artistic hub, crayons of pure wax were produced for the first time there. Then in 2003, to celebrate the 100th anniversary, Creator created a, the world's largest crayon, which is over 15 feet long, 1,300 uh, pounds, and the color blue. Yeah, crayons. Uh, it's pretty much a baby's. Yeah, it's pretty much baby's first. Baby's first art material. I mean, the com you can do create, you can actually, I mean, you are, you are addicted. You kind of feel it f during a young age. And even so, you can, it can really find an impact with you. Um, I've seen a modern day equivalent to this where you can color things in and it has some sort of therapeutic feel. I don't really, haven't really tried it myself, but 
I mean, I've gotten better with coloring inside the lines. We, I'm pretty sure we all used to scribble back then. And even so, even so, just use one color and that's it. That's the color you're sticking with and you like it. So, so crayons, even, I mean, even so, I, has anyone actually uh, stuck a crayon up their nose? It's not like, I haven't done it itself, but I've seen a Simpsons episode where the whole reason Homer is that way is because he stuck a crayon up his nose and it went into his brain and it impacted his thinking. I'm not 100% sure if anyone had any crayon-related incidents, but I'm willing to learn more. And even so, I... <laughs> Not really sure if anyone wants to uh, color with crayons. I mean, I mean, there's potential for these wax sticks, but I think there's like you can get a, like Crayola, Crazy Art. I mean, there's also markers as well as sharpies and stuff like that, which are kind of like the adult version of crayons. Now that I think about it, even so, I don't really. Uh, Jeez, it's kind of hard to talk about when you barely have any memories with it, this thing. I usually keep it to myself most of the time. I'm not exactly from... Not exactly uh, really a crayon guy, but if it helps you relax, that's good. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like one of those timeless art instruments that you get in... I... Don't really have anything else to say, so. I mean, has anyone actually used multiple, uh, multiple crayon, multiple, uh, materials in order to create a mat, create a work of art? Like, use crayons and markers and sharpies as, as for, like, one painting? Because you don't really like the shading of something? I also don't like... I also don't like how it kind of has bits of white if you try and even color inside the lights. That is something I don't... That is... That is something you just need to go with multiple times. And Maybe you can create something. Maybe not. Hey, but crayons are a wax piece of work. Anyway, we'll be back with April 1st right after that. Just now, another kid dropped out of school. There's one every 20 seconds. Over 200 kids an hour. That adds up to nearly 5,000 kids every school day. If we do nothing, 3.5 million kids won't receive a diploma over the next four years. But there is someone who can change that. And that someone is you. United Way knows that kids who have a caring adult in their life are more likely to make it. So make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because the path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Take the pledge to volunteer now at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. There are many sounds in your day-to-day -day life. There are sounds that wake you up. Sounds that make you smile. <laughs> Sounds that energize you. 
and sounds that help you relax. But there are some sounds that can alert you to danger and can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts, now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you information about severe weather events, amber alerts, or other emergencies in your area. With critical information from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know, wherever you are. For more information, visit ready.gov alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, with April 1st. It is known as April Fool's Day to some, but but we also have more days to talk about. So just this is no joke, guys. This day, even if... Uh, let me just talk a little bit first about April Fool's Day first. Even so, I don't really... Cons- I, uh, I uh, don't really trust anything on April Fool's Day because I... What's going to turn out to be a joke? I mean, I mean, some things can turn out to be good, so too good to true that it could potentially be a joke. But I haven't really heard of one that say that it's a joke. Oh, no, wait, it's a thing. Anyway, that's if you want. I do have an article coming out on that day that ties the whole seriousness and funniness of it. Heck, you can find my you can find one of the articles in the newspaper at the time of recording this. Anyway, let's start. We have Walk to Work Day to start off with. In 1999, Herb Elliott, a celebrated athlete, leads a celebrity walk across Sydney Harbor, Harbor Bridge. Then four years later in 2003, the Prime Minister of Australia, John Howard, appears in multiple TVCs and radio shows to promote the benefits of walking to the general public. Then a year later, Backing Prevention's magazine initiative, the U.S. Department of Health officiates the Walk to Work Day on the first Friday of every April. Then finally in 2008, researchers at Harvard Medical School discover that walking at least nine miles a week leads to lower heart disease and death rates. Walking. I mean, it's good if something's close to you and you you can save the gas, but with the inflated prices are that everything's going for nowadays. But if it's too... F- but it has its bit of a constraint. If it's too far for you to walk to work, you might well just take some public transportation or even carpool instead. I mean, if you want... I mean, it does help a little bit, but even taking your own car has to be one of your last choices or sometimes your last choice. And even so, I don't really think, I do actually do walk to places like around, like down to uh, CVS or sometimes to get a haircut or in this section. And even so, uh, it is kind of hilly. I mean, going downhill and uphill. I don't know where really else to say at this point i mean has anyone actually encountered something while they were walking i mean like i mean like there's this whole pokemon go craze back in 2016 when the game fish initially first released but nowadays it's more like a niche fandom rather than a worldwide phenomena 
And even so, I don't really think of that at my, uh, my, uh, gosh, I can't talk today. I'm just, I'm, I don't, I'm going without a script, so I'm just kind of rambling on at this point. And even so, I don't really think of, I think of walking, it's just, it is good, but then your feet get kind of exhausted, and I don't know, you just kind of want to take a rest for the rest of the day, and even so, I had to, I had to walk when I uh, had to get my booster shot back before uh, holiday break. So yeah, it's kind of a thing, kind of not for me. I mean, I walk when I want to, and even so, I... <sighs> even so, I usually use my bike in order to get to more distances quickly. Anyway, moving on, we have National... Anyway, moving on, we have another national day on that day, National One Cent Day. Late 1780s, Franklin Liberty's design is criticized for representing slavery due to the 13 chains design. Then in 1859, after design change, the head of the Mar American Indian Ian is put on the want. Once in coin, it instantly becomes popular among the masses, staying in circulation for decades to come. Then we have President Lincoln being honored on the face by being put on the penny starting from 1959 to 2008. Then in 2010, after President Lincoln's face, the one-cent coin boasts the emblem of the Union Shield. Even so, I... How many times have you picked up a penny? Be honest. I mean, there's the thing, pick up a penny, like, if, if it's head stuff, then all day you have good luck. I don't really... I don't really uh, think I pennies have anything useful now. But I mean, we kind of overprint them to the point of oversaturization. Like they could just be found on the ground, and nobody even wants them. I mean, how many things have you seen priced like nine ninety nine or something like that, and something ending with a nine? Can't they just make it like an even thing or something like that? Or so, uh, I just, I don't have any thoughts. It's just, uh, yeah, I don't think the penny is really that useful anymore. There's even some people who want to get rid of it. And I just think we should just stick with the whole even uh, fives or zeros and stuff like that, because at least it'll Take the penny out of its misery. And even so, they kind of are uncomfortable in the pocket once you get too much of the coins and they kind of pull down your pants. Too much. I... I don't really have any other opinions other than that. So, uh, I'm wondering if anyone else has any other opinions on the penny. Do you like the penny, or do you not like it, or are you indifferent towards it? Uh, I'd like to know. What, like, what's your opinion on the penny? I, uh, don't really think it should be around anymore. I mean, once anything with a one, two, three, or four in it should be, uh, I mean, what about tax? 
even tax has has pennies and can be uh, pennies if you pay with change. I don't really like it. Even so, how you're not gonna tip someone like 11 percent or 12, 13, 14, something like that. It's either either 10, 15, 20, 25, fives. Like, and then again, maybe the nickel would become the new one. I mean, even that adds up to something. Pennies are just like jump chains. Anyway, we'll be back with April 12th and 3rd right after this commercial break, so stay tuned, you guys. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that, overall, you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't seen your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed. And they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs. And it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Hey America, we need to have a little talk. I don't know if you've noticed, but we got a lot of food in this country. A lot of peaches, a lot of corn, a lot of apples, a lot of everything. We've got so much food that we can't even eat it all. So if we got all this extra food, how are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? I just don't get it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to the hungry kids who need it. They can get you food even if you live in Idaho or Alaska or somewhere crazy like that. This isn't complicated. We got extra food and we've got hungry kids. Feeding America's done the math. Now it's your turn. Support Feeding America on your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. I know you got internet on your phone, so what are you waiting for? We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, and now we go to the weekend of April 12th, 2nd, and 3rd with International Fact Checking Day on April 2nd. So, the, I'll, allow me to give you a brief history on this. 1913, Ralph Pulitzer and Joseph White begin the borough to catch out in repeat offenders who make errors. And then 1920s, the fact-checking thing becomes a legitimate career in many newspapers, magazines, and public house, publishing houses, so they don't get anything wrong. Then in the 1970s, following complaint about uh, sex segregation, Time Magazine paves the way for men to become fact-checkers, too. And they become the first to hire four men. And then 1990s, fact-checking websites like Snopes and Smoking Gun emerge, offering a chance to check political facts or the tabloid. Or something like that. Uh, it's kind of difficult to fact check something, even when you think you're right and you and you want to make sure you're right. I mean, it is okay to fact check and make sure you get all the details correct. And I'm not sure if anything anyone else has any opinions on that. I. I mean, it kind of kind of serves as a blow to ego when you think one's wrong and. 
you send it to your editor who tells you, actually, this didn't happen, but this. But even so, I think fact-checking is essential if you want to put on an ac accurate thing instead of just repeating stuff that you heard online that may or may not be true. I do think it's nice that one could consider something like that. Has anyone gotten anything wrong? I mean, anything? I'd like to know, because it's kind of a weird thing to get something wrong, and it's a bit of an ego blower. I don't really know if that's really a thing that can happen. I mean, it can work. It can be possible, don't get me wrong. But I think that... Gosh, I'm really just improvising here. And... I don't know, just... Fact-checking is nice, it's good. I don't know what else to say at this point. Because, well, it's fact-checking. You may want to... You may want to make sure you're getting the right stuff before you go out and uh, publish it. And even if that, that is correct, even if it is correct, some details may not. So I recommend fact-checking AS if you're trying to do something ASAP and actually cite your sources where you got this from so you can trace back to where this originated. Not exactly 100% sure if, if you're not exactly 100% sure if the source of the information is really the definitive proof and not just some lie that somebody made up on the fly and their own personal opinions because sometimes they can pass off personal opinion as fact. And that is really a problem with a lot of news sites nowadays. They don't know whether they should... Put use person. They don't know what personal opinion or fact is, and kind of makes them a little bit unreliable for news source, and makes them show a little bit of political bias. Anyway, our last subject of the day actually goes on to April third with Ch National Chocolate Moose Day. This linking back to the whole chocolate creation by the Incas back in the 15 when it was discovered in the 1500s we also got 1615 when chocolate enters France for the first time it becomes an instant hit then we got the 1800s after years of savory mousse being a thing a dessert mousse is given a chance and our dearest chocolate mousse comes to existence then we have the 1887 for the first time in the US a chocolate mousse class advertisement to be taught by Mrs. Miss Par Parola is published, and the electric mixer invented in 1930, making beating eggs from to a foam much easier, and as a result, gives way to more modern chocolate mousse. Chocolate mousse kind of sounds like chocolate pudding now that I think about it. I mean, you get, I mean, it's chocolatey, gooey, kind of soft on, kind of soft on ya. It's, I don't know, maybe pudding and mousse are kind of like brothers in that way. I don't know, what else is there to say? Oh yeah, uh, has anyone actually eaten uh, chocolate mousse in uh, like a candy bar or something like that? I'm trying to remember and 
I can't come up with anything for the life of me. Anyone else have anything like that? I'd like to know. And even so, dessert... And even so, dessert's kind of like a... I don't know. Jeez, I'm kind of leaving a lot of gaps in vocal, if you can agree. I don't really... Listen, I just like chocolate mousse, and that's all there is to it. But if any of you have anything else to say, I'd like to hear about it. Because chocolate mousse is another one of those desserts that can be connected to another one we talked about earlier. And even so, I found... Even so, I kind of found... Uh, uh, even so, I kind of found the chocolate mousse thing kind of like a brother to chocolate pudding. I think... I'm not even... Is chocolate mousse kind of like a brother to chocolate pudding? Uh, I'm... I'm kind of... I'm curious about this. Oh, chocolate... Okay, so... It's kind of like this uh, fluffy... Uh, fluffy thing you put in like a cup or a bowl or something like that. I'm, I actually did have that. I think it's delicious. And even so, mousse is kind of like a light, warmer version of ice cream now that I think about it. Or maybe like a bowl version of a brownie or maybe one of those blondies you've had back in the day. Oh, and, and it's considered a, considered a connection with a whipped cream. So... Yeah, that's kind of interesting now that I think about it. I mean, you get some whipped egg, whites, whipped cream, chocolate, coffee, car flavored with chocolate, coffee, or caramel, pureed fruit, herbs and spices, mint or vanilla. And even so, yeah, chocolate mousse. Really uh, neat little dessert. Kind of like a brownie in a cup. Anyway, that's going to do it for this edition. You can, if you want to... Be my co-host for the next show. You can email me at hubertjmusicorder.edu. See you guys next time.